Hi, you're listening to Place Behind the Palms, a Christian podcast by me, Jamie. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome if you have never listened and a reluctant welcome. (laughs) This is a little unnerving sharing my voice as a podcast. Um, However, Let's get over that and look at what we are going to be talking about today, which is the hemorrhaging woman. So if you don't know, on my blog, I am doing a little study on women who aren't as well known uh, in the Bible and the word of God. So we're not focusing on people like Deborah or Esther or Ruth or the Marys. It's more the people that are mentioned, um, but not necessarily given uh, a great amount of attention. Maybe that's because there's just like very little written about them. So today, which is a bit of an odd one, because this woman is actually spoken about quite a bit uh, when looking at the hemorrhaging woman, so the woman who bled. And uh, the reason I picked her was there isn't much known about her. And often people use her story as an example of... um, faith that healed and there I think personally I think there's a little bit more depth to her than personally I have heard people talk about and yeah I don't I other than that there was no real method to it I just thought I feel like there's a little bit more to her than we hear and so that's who I picked so there's only a few points that I was not able to share on my blog Um, But I will give you a rundown on who she is. So she is a Jewish woman that we know of. She is considered defiled. She's considered ceremonially um, unclean. She is in need of healing. She is isolated, most probably isolated. Imagining that she's not able to touch anybody even the items and objects she touches is considered unclean. So she probably lived quite an isolated life for those 12 years that she had the blood issue. She's also quite determined because she spent, first of all, we know she spent quite a bit of money um, and her livelihood on trying to seek an answer to this issue. So she sought out doctors and Um, all sorts. We do see that in Luke, I believe. And I'll just, so there are three accounts of her, just to quickly backtrack. There's the Mark account, the Luke account, and the Matthew account. The most uh, full account is the Mark account, and then it would be Luke, and then it would be Matthew. But we know in Mark that it says she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. And had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. So we knew that she was seeking for answers. And the fact that she did that for 12 years. And then when Jesus was around, she was still determined um, to go out and touch his cloak. shows extraordinary determination to me. Because for someone that does suffer with something that is an ongoing issue, I have been at wit's end many times and I don't I my I personally as a personal reflection I I do get really bad um I have chronic back pain so it's a pain that's consistent and continuous 
but recently it has subsided and I was losing it when I had like a year of having that, then a year and a half and then two years. So at the moment with modern medicine, I'm able to manage it. But the issue and the difference is that my back pain didn't mean that I was defiled. She is considered unclean because of the laws set out in Leviticus. So she would be very well acquainted with this law and I imagine most of the people who are Jewish around her would be. So she was probably avoiding and being avoided because ritualistic or ceremonial baths to clean people that I don't know, I can't imagine that they would have been doing that that often. So we here we have a woman who is been outcasted and in isolation for 12 years, is suffering immensely because of these laws. She also wasn't allowed to enter the temple. Um, so she couldn't even go to a place of worship. There's just kind of a lot of um, areas that this issue in particular had affected. And I, I talk about it a little bit in my Instagram series that if you were to take her circumstances or her situation and place it in today's day, well, first of all, it's kind of unrelatable because a lot of people celebrate the menstrual cycle now. Um, but the circumstances and the lack of the lack of people, the isolation, the continual bleeding, thinking there's something wrong, um, personal reflection of your own sin just being pushed in your face because you are considered unclean, like that would cause some serious depression and for me when I think about myself I would so become and I and I did like apathetic towards what when is God going to heal me is God going to heal me yeah so I don't know I just when I look at that I think people often point out that she just reached out for the just the tip of his cloak and that was the faith but I think her faith really seated further back as in it went so much it went on for so much longer than we really consider it because 12 years is a very long time it's a decade plus two years you know and the fact that she was still seeking and was still looking and then when Jesus arrived she heard and she believed which is fascinating because like I just said if if I look at my own life and you know as as well as honest as I can be I don't know what 12 years of that would do to me. So being around people is very important for sanity and being able to go to have that freedom to go to the place of worship provides sanity and not having an issue, a physical issue that's consistent provides sanity. So I don't know, she just had all of these sort of really strong um I want to say forces, but it's not necessarily the right word, but just pressing down on her, and that was for 12 years. And regardless of the fact that she had been sort of downtrodden in a sense for 12 years, she still um, had faith. So that was my biggest takeaway that I really wanted to talk about because I didn't necessarily get to translate that as well. Um and sometimes it's hard when you read these historical accounts of these figures that lived and their interactions with this historical and true Jesus 
it's kind of hard to really understand what she may be feeling because we're now in a society that accepts a lot um, and makes a way for a lot that is almost flipped. It's the opposite of what these Jewish people had as customs. Um, So the other thing I also wanted to point out was, so when I look at her life, and then sort of compare, which is hard to sort of do because we only know so we know so little about her. I think the biggest takeaway for me though was her steadfastness. So we don't know what she did to go on um, and spread the gospel. If she did that, I assume I only assume, but we all we know of her are these three accounts, and there's nothing else that we we know. You know, I've only got small scale chronic back pain (laughs) and it's just it's really hard sometimes to remember a few things so remember that regardless and really believe when I say remember like I mean believe as well and know it in your heart something that brings you joy that God is good and he is sovereign and he will heal and even if he doesn't you know we you're you know we still worship and we still love and devote our lives to God. And that's sort of like an ode to the Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego um, moment in Daniel when they're in the fiery furnace, which (laughs) it does remind me of that a little bit because regardless of her circumstances, she, she sort of had the same faith in a sense because they entered a fiery furnace and she entered a crowd and I guess she would have been socially castrated if that didn't go well and I don't know I wouldn't know what (laughs) what would happen but with them you know they they faced death and even in the face of death they still said we will not bow down and that's just like it's a real testimony of faith when I think about my life and I think about just so much clutter in terms of just what I digest and have surrounding me where I'm like, where, where is the situation where I can personally say I will not worship any other gods? So then it calls for a personal reflection as to what I actually am idolizing that I don't realize. And you have so many people that go on about that, so I'm not going to go into it. But my whole coming back to my whole point is that there was a steadfast faith that I perceive in this woman and she held on to it and she she was determined for 12 years to find a, a cure. And I don't know if that was placed in, like she gave that up to God or what, but she definitely didn't turn her nose up at Jesus and she recognized who he was and out of faith she acted on it and that's something that I I just want to take internally and think oh how can I then apply that to my own life are there areas where I need to actually just continue in faith and how can I be more steadfast so something that I have struggled with is um was is apathy and that I think apathy can sometimes um if you're not careful can fall into the realm of unbelief to an extent and there I have been in both unbelief and apathetic stages and coming out of unbelief belief coming into faith um I then grew stagnant and became apathetic and 
it's not that I ever lost faith. I was just never really active in my own faith. And that's something that I have struggled with. So when I, I guess, feel like I am struggling with my my faith and my belief, um, I pray. <laughs> it, and that's not said very lightly either because I think uh, prayer is so heavily underestimated. It's crazy how underestimated prayer actually is. When you think about what it is, you think about the fact that you're talking to the Most High and that He is listening. Yeah, because you can't see it. It can get so distracting sometimes, and that's sort of where I fell. But alas, God tells us through Scripture that you can actually pray, increase my faith, and you can pray, help me with my unbelief. And that's that's recorded in the New Testament. So I was praying, and and something I noticed as well was that when I was actively involved um, in a local church, that definitely helped because I was surrounded by people, so there was my fellowship, and I also was able to serve, which um, obviously God calls us to serve. So um, prayer and serving and fellowship and reading the word was another one. Uh, Studying the word and prayer predominantly are two things that should never be neglected on a daily basis. Those two things, I think, are very important. And I notice that when I'm not reading daily or not praying daily, really a combination, uh, it's something that I struggle. I, I, I just, it's a habit that I, for myself, I need to keep. Prayer probably is the first, I would say. When you look at the early church, I don't know how much they had access to things like the Torah. So they were, they didn't have it memorized. There, there was a lot of memorization that went on in Jewish culture. However, they didn't have a 500 copies of one study Bible and different commentaries where we have these tools and resources at our hands. Why not use them? So prayer studying the word of God, fellowship and serving, and then communicating and sharing the gospel. And this is a part of the story we don't really know if she went on to do, but we do see in other stories of healing where people have gone and shared the good news. So I don't think um, it it probably wasn't. Who would she share the gospel with, though, (laughs) when you think about it, because she'd been isolated for 12 years. And, in fact, Right then and there, Jesus pulls her out of the crowd and what has happened has been displayed publicly, actually. So in a sense, Jesus kind of shared the good news <laughs> with her in that moment when you think about it a little bit. <laughs> so, um, And then I guess another thing I wanted to point toward was God's sovereignty. And Something I've personally experienced is this idea of instant gratification in terms of healing. And I don't think it's wrong to hope and pray that God can work quickly. But I think we also have to remember God has a will and he is sovereign. And when you highly anticipate instantaneous healing, it can often lead to defeat or disappointment or discouragement or resentment. You know, why is God not healing me? That happens for a lot of people. And sometimes it's just that 
that's not necessarily God's will. When you look at this woman, <laughs> yes, Jesus healed her then and there, but does not mean that God was not fully alive before then. There was 12 years of her bleeding before she was healed. It's a long time for her not to be healed. And I don't doubt based on this woman's actions that she was in prayer. So my takeaway is that her tw- those 12 years, at that moment in Jesus' ministry, that's what her healing was used for, was to, exa- like, to make an example of her faith. It was 12 years from when it started. So instantaneous healing can occur, obviously, and I do not say that I'm not saying that it does not but what I'm I think what I'm more saying is that it's God's will and going back to Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego they were very sure that God can save them and he will save them but they also said but even if he does not the same mentality should could and should be applied to healing God can heal he will heal, but even if he doesn't, it doesn't change the faith. So for me, as I mentioned before with my chronic back pain, I don't know how long I'll have it, but even if the pain increases, so should my faith. Even if the pain decreases, so should my faith. My faith is the one that should be in, like consistently increasing um, and my worship to God should be ever increasing. And 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 hopeful and so i think when i when i talk about his sovereignty i guess that's also what i see in the story is that there was a time and there was a place for her healing and god always has a plan and that plan is not always what you expect it to be but when you look at her situation the fact that she just touched the cloak she wanted to remain anonymous and she just wanted to be healed. Um, she just touched his cloak and then tucked away back into the crowd because she didn't want to be seen. She had faith enough that she considered touching his robes would be effective and his will was to heal her and he met her there at her point of need. So God will never, I guess not meet you at your point of need he he will hear you and he sees you look he was in a big crowd of people Jesus was and he knew her and he felt that he was healing her and he did but then he brought her out into the crowd and she um well by asking who touched me and she said that it was me and then he said daughter your faith has made you well Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And he referred to her as daughter. So not only did she receive a physical healing, she was also saved. John Bloom wrote, uh, What Jesus was exposing in that moment was not her weakness and her shame. What he was exposing was her faith. He wanted her faith visible so that everyone who carries a secret shame, which is every one of us, might have hope. And I think that's a really good little point to end on so thank you for listening and we may see you next week